From bell to bell and post to post. We got a big battle in front of us, baby. And it's just stopped. So let's get fucking like a monkey. Working the territories on the Northwest Coast. Who wants to walk with Elias? You're listening to Wrestle Central. Give me a hell yeah. On Sportsnet 650. You got journalism for that. With Justin Morissette. Yes, that's right, Mauro Ranallo. That is the big finish at the end of the night after a rare Sunday night NXT takeover. How do you feel about that? Takeovers shifting over to Sundays on weekends where WWE doesn't have a main roster event going on that same night. You can let me know by having your say. We are live this evening on Wrestle Central. My name is Justin Morissette. You are listening to Sportsnet 650, the only Place to hear about the wild world of professional wrestling on the radio here in Vancouver. Happy to have you with me here tonight. And if you want to have your say, you can do so by jumping in on the Sportsnet text line at 650-650. Let me know your thoughts on this NXT TakeOver program. NXT in your house. I guess it was TakeOver in your house. A throwback to that retro WWE pay-per-view branding, the... uh, the original In Your Houses were uh, a cheaper, shorter show. And this one uh, was the same price as ever. I guess kind of the same price as it used to be back in the day on pay-per-view if you think about what the network costs relative to what those In Your Houses would cost back in the mid-90s. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, <laughs> I really enjoyed the look and feel of this show. You know, one of the things we've talked about so often uh, in the COVID quarantine era is the fact that it is very, very difficult to create a show that uh, feels unique, that has a uh, ability to make a lasting impression, because so many of these shows kind of look and feel the same. I'm going to you know, get out right in front of it right now, tell you right out the gate. I did feel that this was a pretty strong takeover. I really enjoyed this show from top to bottom, for the most part, largely. There were a couple matches that lost me here and there, but by and large, this was a fun takeover from front to back I thought anyways Uh, but talking to people talking to friends talking to fans of the business talking to fans of the one true sport the one we know and love that's right professional wrestling Uh, the idea that I've gotten from a lot of people is that they're just feeling burnout on uh, these empty arena shows and I totally understand that especially in a wrestling landscape where there are too many shows to even keep up on even if this wasn't a takeover night tonight the fact that I don't have a guest lined up for this evening's Wrestle Central probably not necessarily a problem given the fact that there is just so much to talk about between uh, Raw and SmackDown and NXT and AEW Dynamite and heck, 
Even Impact was making headlines this week. There's so much wrestling to keep up with, even on non-pay-per-view weeks. But uh, uh, you know what? The, the, I thought this was a very, very strong show overall. It really held my attention. There were some tremendous matches, especially uh, that women's main event that we heard the winning call from on the way in. Of course, Abbotsford's own Moro Ronaldo, the one providing the call on that play-by-play. Love to hear Moro in the big leagues with NXT, of course. Uh, I think part of the thing that people love about NXT relative to the main roster is Moro has that ability, very similar to Jim Ross, I think, that uh, he's able to just imbue so much emotion into everything that he calls. You know, you might find that he goes a little over the top, perhaps, with his uh, sports references and pop culture references, perhaps. I personally am charmed by that. I think it's very, very fun. Uh, but the, the big thing is, like, to me, the mark of a great play-by-play man is how well you sell the emotion of the moment, how much your voice and the words and, and everything add to the feel of everything we're supposed to be feeling in the moments uh, of you know these big dramatic happenings in professional wrestling. To me, uh, Jim Ross and Mauro Ranallo are the two guys that really get it as far as you know the drama and, and the uh, you know theatrics of, of the job of calling a show. And I do always have a good time watching these takeovers because Morrow is on them, uh, on the mic, that is. You can have your say on the show once again, as I mentioned, by texting into 650-650. You can give me a call as well, 604-280-0650, if you'd like to weigh in on tonight's pay-per-view or any number of topics from the week that was in professional wrestling. Going to be talking, of course, about uh, the weekly television as well before the hour is done new women's tag champs in WWE after this past Friday's SmackDown. We'll get to that before too long, but right now let's take a deep dive into the card here of tonight's NXT TakeOver in your house. And one of the things that I really liked about the feel of this show in general is not just, you know, bringing back the branding of the in-your-house style shows from the 90s, but also giving it a unique set. And that is something that I think WWE has lost their grip on you know I know they like to say that uh, they don't pay attention to anything that AEW does anything that uh, you know AEW might do on Dynamite or on their or their pay-per-views it's not something that WWE is paying any mind to uh, they, don't, they don't think about them they're not paying attention to anything that they're doing that's the, what they like to say but we have seen you know AEW Dynamite brings back pyro and fireworks for guys entrances not long thereafter, WWE does the exact same thing. Uh, it's a little easier for AEW when they only run four pay-per-views a year, but I, one of the things that I do like about them uh, is that all of those pay-per-views have distinct feels to them. They all have distinct sets. I mean, you could even run one of them like Double or Nothing we saw last weekend or, or two weeks ago now. Uh, Double or Nothing, they ran to an empty arena, just their own crowd uh, at Daly's Place down there in Jacksonville, Florida, and it still had a distinct feel because it has a casino theme and it has a casino set and there are actual physical, tangible things. I don't want to go back to the example that everyone always goes back to, but, you know, think of a set like Backlash 2000 that had those enormous swinging hooks that are themselves iconic in your memory when you go the way WWE has gone where everything is just an LED screen on the floor and on the wall Yes, you can do some really creative electronic things like, for example, Jinder Mahal's entrance, which I think is one of the great entrances of all time. Uh, it's really, truly spectacular. But what you lose 
is things like pay-per-views feeling distinct and separate and having their own vibe and character and physical set dressing. They had that tonight. They did bring back the house from In Your House, the door and the window and so on, etc. There was a real physical, tangible element to the set of this show. And heck, it's probably the same set dressings that they had back in the day. They made up an NXT logo in big block letters in place of the WWE one or WWF one, I should say, that they used to have back in the day. But, you know, that was part of the appeal of this show is that, uh, you know, physically people got to interact with that set. We saw multiple stunts off that set, as I will tell you a little bit more about later on in the program. Uh, But let's get to that card right now, which opened with a main card Six-woman tag, and curiously, no, uh, it doesn't look like anyways, no no pre-show matches. I I missed the pre-show personally, tuned right in at 4 o'clock. I know there was a pre-show for this show. I believe, though, it was just Scott Stanford and Peter Rosenberg going over the card and making their predictions for the matches of the night. No match itself on the pre-show this evening. Instead, we shoved all the ladies that were not in the women's tag match later on in the main event into uh, the curtain jerk position, the main card opener, Mia Yim, Shotzi Blackheart, and Tegan Knox, your babyface team, uh, defeating Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, and Raquel Gonzalez. Tegan Knox pinning Dakota Kai after nine minutes and 50 seconds. Pretty hot opener, I thought, to be perfectly honest. A lot of uh, uh, real strong action. Every single woman got to look good in this match, and uh, you know, personally, I'm a fan of a, a number of the ladies in this match, in particular Tegan Knox and Dakota Kai. I am so, so into the feud between those two women. And it surprises me, honestly, that this heel turn has worked out as well as it has for Dakota Kai. She always struck me as someone who was kind of in that Bailey mold of uh, just being a baby face forever. You know, she seemed like uh, a perfect do-over if you felt like you screwed up Bailey on the main ex- uh, on the main roster, which they've able to they've been able to recover and uh, redeem their little hiccups with Bailey along the way by turning her heel. Coincidentally, uh, but if you felt like you screwed her up, well, you got another shot. You got another Bailey in waiting. No, they turned her heel as well down on the farm, and she's just been excellent with Raquel Gonzalez. I really enjoy this feud. I really enjoy Tegan Knox. I think these two women have tremendous chemistry. They feel like. Uh, you know, a little bit like uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. You know, you can keep coming back to this thing again and again and again. Uh, the ties that bind are there, and the chemistry in the ring is there to back it up as well. I don't think this is the end of this feud. Uh, this is also combining uh, uh, the Mia Yim and Candice LeRae feud that had been bubbling in recent weeks. That will continue to spill over on another match later on on this card. But um, throwing Shotzi Blackheart in there just for good measure And hey, why not? I really enjoy Shotzi, uh, of course, driving out to the ring in her little miniature tank. Always a fun time. And she's very good in the ring as well. Uh, Just a a good opening match to get you excited for this thing. Though I will say it kind of just had the feel of uh, of strong television and not necessarily a pay-per-view, as I mentioned. Even with a set, even with, you know, a physical, tangible thing on set that they got to enter through, uh, for the In Your House theme show tonight, uh, even with that, it is hard to make these shows feel uh, big and distinct and, and uh, you know, um, larger than just a regular weekly show when you are taping all of your television 
in the WWE Performance Center. It is Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. My name is Justin Morissette. We are reviewing tonight's NXT TakeOver in your house, which went live from the WWE Performance Center in Florida, as I mentioned. Uh, match number two on this card, Finn Balor defeating Damian Priest in a singles match that went a hair's breadth over 13 minutes, 13.07. And uh, this was a fun match. This actually made Damian Priest look pretty good. He's one of those guys where, to me, uh, I have a hard time connecting. And I know that he has indie cred. He went by Punishment Martinez on the indies. Uh, this is a guy who was talked about as being a, uh, a legit prospect, somebody that WWE should have great interest in. Of course, they did. He's very, very tall. He's a former football player. All things that WWE goes crazy for, but there's just something a little bit off maybe for me in in my uh, in my believability, let's say. I, I was watching with uh, a friend earlier who was saying that uh, he, he looks like he's going through the motions of being a wrestler and maybe doesn't necessarily believe his own character just yet. And I don't know that I fully agree with that, but I do think there is a nugget of truth in there. There's something just missing for me, but, but I was impressed. And look, there's kind of a big Baron Corbin vibe to me, as it was saying, in, in this whole Damian Priest character and just, you know, the way he was uh, rapidly beating people when he started an NXT, very similar to Baron Corbin's NXT beginnings as well. Uh, I, I just, you know, I don't know. To me, it's like, yes, this was a good match, and and Damian Priest had good spots in it, and I came out of it thinking he looked impressive, but he still lost at the end of the day, and he lost to a guy in Finn Balor that probably shouldn't even be in NXT in the first place, if we're being honest, in terms of, uh, you know, what's good for the product overall. You know, there, like I said, we're already looking at a match in the opener here tonight where you had to throw six women together into a multi-woman tag when there were two feuds going on between uh, two distinct women in that tag match. You could have given us both of those matches individually instead of keeping a main roster talent down on the farm when uh, you know he could be easily uh, lighten it up on Raw or SmackDown right now. I, and I feel similar to Charlotte, who's in the main event later on as the NXT Women's Champion coming into the night as well. Uh, it's just, you know, I, they're great wrestlers, and they have good matches with the people in NXT, but if they're only there for you to try and beat AEW in the Wednesday Night War ratings week after week, first of all, you're not seeing those results anyway, so that's probably a waste of your time in the first place. Second of all, you're losing sight of what NXT is supposed to be. And yes, I know it's on uh, major network television now in the United States, and we play an hour-long condensed version of it here on Sportsnet 360 every Friday evening in Canada. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's a big television product now. I understand that, but ultimately what it's supposed to be is developmental. You're supposed to be making these guys better so that they get to a point where they can hit the ground running when they hit the main roster. That is the entire reason for NXT to exist. If you want it to be a self-sustaining third brand, I believe we are missing the forest for the trees here and really wasting the careers of people like Finn Balor, who, look, I'm sure he's probably happy getting paid the exact same amount he would be uh, on the main roster to you know, work one or two sets of tapings a month and uh, a pay-per-view once every two and a half months or so. It's a very light schedule to make the exact same money if you're Finn Balor. There's nothing bad about that, but um, I don't know. I don't even know if there would be room for him. I, I like to think that uh, 
The men's side certainly on Raw at the moment is stacked, but hey, you can always find room for a Finn Balor and always have more exciting matches with the young talent that you're trying to establish on the main roster right now. You don't think a guy like Aleister Black or a guy like Apollo Crews or a guy like Angel Garza or a, a guy like uh, Andrade Cien Almas or any number of the hot young talents, uh, Austin Theory, Buddy Murphy, so on, etc., would be liking to uh, would like to have fire matches at this exact second with a guy like Finn Balor. You don't think Finn Balor could be useful on the main roster? Of course he could be. This was a good match. Finn picked up the win, but ultimately, what are we doing here with this guy in NXT? That's all I'm saying. It seems like a big waste of time. His and people in the developmental pipeline who are stuck behind him and cannot advance to the spot that would be beneficial for them at this exact moment in their careers because you have someone like Finn Balor occupying that position. Um, I know this is not necessarily on the same level because he's certainly uh, not advanced in his career like a guy like Finn Balor has, but to me, Johnny Gargano in a very similar position. Yes, I think he's a tremendous wrestler. Yes, I think if he were to go to the main roster, Vince McMahon and the main roster booking committee would not know what to do with him at all, but having said that, Johnny Gargano does feel like he is stopping someone else, some younger talent, from advancing through the ranks of NXT the way they should. You just look at how long it took for Keith Lee to rise to prominence in this company. And yes, Keith Lee got to shine bright, perhaps brighter than anyone not named Rhea Ripley back over Survivor Series weekend in November of last year when he was the second to, man, second to last man standing, I should say in that men's Survivor Series match against Roman Reigns. But uh, he feels like he should be a main eventer in NXT right now. He feels like he should be a bigger deal. Instead, he is, and still is after this evening, your NXT North American champion. The big, thick, red leather belt remains around the waist of Keith Lee. This was a singles match that ran 20 minutes and 35 seconds, by far the longest match on this card, but a very fun one as well, to be quite honest. I thought this was a tremendous match uh, between these two guys. Personally, my match of the night. Uh, very, very good stuff between these two. Uh, perhaps even one of Keith Lee's stronger showings, one of Johnny Gargano's best showings in a while. And you know what? I know that's kind of why he stays around NXT, is to be the hand who can have matches like this. He needs more guys to be able to step up opposite him and rise to that level as well, and maybe that's what we'll see here. Maybe there can be some uh, renewed energy and longevity to his run in NXT now that he's finally gotten away from Tommaso Ciampa, now that we can finally turn the page on that particular feud. Uh, this was a very lengthy match. This was a match that had some very brutal hardcore spots, to be perfectly honest. Uh, some real tumbles on the outside. They teased a power bombing through the window of the house on the In Your House set that was interrupted as the ladies got involved. Yes, Mia Yim, the uh, significant other of Keith Lee, and Candice LeRae, the wife of Johnny Gargano, both came out and got involved in this match, prevented uh, a teased spot of a powerbomb through the window. We would get to see that ultimately later on in the main event, and it would not be the, the spot that you would want it to be. There was something even bigger waiting behind it. We'll get there before too long here, but uh, just a real tremendous match between Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano. Gargano coming very, very close 
to cheating his way back into uh, holding the NXT North American Championship. Uh, it is Keith Lee, however. Keith Lee, I should say, decked out in Black Lives Matter attire as well. Had Black Lives Matter on the back of his vest that he entered in, and it was written in big, bold letters on the back of his tights throughout the match tonight as well. Uh, uh, a nice statement from him on his trunks and a tremendous statement from him as far as what to expect from this guy in the ring. The biggest spot of the bunch. Uh, maybe one of the bigger spots of the night, though. Io Shirai certainly topped it in the main event. Was Keith Lee hitting his signature pounce, which is a football-like shoulder tackle, a jumping shoulder tackle that he rocked Johnny Gargano with. Uh, of course, NXT and all WWE right now filming in the Performance Center are surrounded by essentially hockey glass, enormous sheets of plexiglass separating the performers in the ring and ringside area from the uh, audience, which are also wrestlers and trainees in the NXT Performance Center who are out to watch the matches throughout the night. Uh, Johnny Gargano getting pounced right through the hockey glass. It didn't break, but it did completely crumple as he tumbled to the ground on the other side. Uh, he jumped into it, but the timing was excellent. Uh, it's one of the most you know fun spots that Keith Lee has in his arsenal, and Keith Lee, in my opinion, one of the most fun guys to watch going at the moment. A tremendous match, and my personal choice for match of the evening. It's Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. My name is Justin Morissette. We are talking about NXT TakeOver In Your House, which broadcast live tonight from the WWE Performance Center. If you'd like to have your say, you can weigh in via the Sportsnet 650 text line at 650-650. After that one got out of the way, we went to our NXT Championship match of the night. A last chance backlot brawl for the NXT title. If Velveteen Dream were to lose, he can no longer challenge for the NXT Championship while Cole is still champion and ultimately Adam Cole does retain after 14 minutes and 55 seconds. I found this match extremely disorienting and difficult to watch. It was sort of a cinematic match, but also not really. They just, uh, you know, set the guys up in the back parking lot, I think, behind the Performance Center. They surrounded the ring with cars that all had their headlights on. I found the light of the headlights extremely disorienting after a good long while. It was a hard match to watch, I found personally. Uh, and it's too bad because I think both of these guys are tremendous workers. Both Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream both uh, are excellent. But I, I, there's something about NXT's attempts at these cinematic matches that aren't doing it for me. And I wanted to like this match a lot. I didn't hate it either. It's just fine. You know, it was whatever. It was doing something different to try and interrupt the flow of the night and give you something that looked and felt a little different. Uh, but obviously, you know, this is match number four of a six-match card. It's not even second from the top of the card. Uh, you know, when you place your, your men's championship at that level, and this is no disrespect to the ladies because they fully deserve to main event tonight, uh, we kind of know that there's not going to be a big moment at the end of this, right? Uh, I, I didn't think there was any chance that Velveteen Dream was going to walk out as the champion at the end of this because if that were to be the case, you would want that to be your closing image of the show. You're not going to do that by putting it on uh, right at about the halfway mark of this pay-per-view. Uh, 
so, of course, Adam Cole does end up retaining his title in the end. Uh, he was going to cheat to do so, of course, was going to get some help from uh, Bobby Fish and Roderick Strong, but instead it was Dexter Loomis who interfered and threw those two guys in the trunk of his car and drove off with them. I do not know what to make of Dexter Loomis at all. They're trying to get this guy over like a like a psycho. His his gimmick is supposed to be like Dexter from the TV show Dexter, I think. Like he's just a a crazy killer guy, but uh I don't know. I'm not digging the look. I'm not digging the name Dexter Loomis. I'm not digging the gimmick at all. They're pushing this guy like he is the next big thing in NXT and to me it is landing with an absolute thud. No interest in this, but he did figure into the finish as he threw the Undisputed Era uh, cheaters into the trunk of his car, rode off with them. Uh, That left Velveteen Dream alone to try to close things out, but unfortunately, Adam Cole found some strength in his reserves to come out on top and hang on to the belt for another day. His reign that has now lasted for more than a year, Adam Cole continues atop the card in NXT. Uh, This one was 14 minutes, 55 seconds. As I said, it felt much longer than that, though, if I'm being honest, which is probably not a good sign. Again, not a bad match, but NXT just has not figured out this cinematic style. I really did not enjoy at all uh, the one more beat or one final beat, whatever it was called, the last match. Uh, on the uh, NXT that was the week of WrestleMania, the the WrestleMania week takeover that they just did on a Wednesday night instead. They did a cinematic match between Gargano and Ciampa that I thought was just awful. This one was better than that, but not by much, and not enough to really make a big difference. Uh, didn't didn't sink this card, though. I still did think this show was good, and uh, the main event is a big reason why. But before we got to that main event, Karrion Cross, yes, the man formerly known as Killer Cross in Impact Wrestling with Scarlett, formerly known as Scarlett Bordeaux. It was Karrion Cross's debut pay-per-view match, and he defeated Tommaso Ciampa by technical submission. Yes, Ciampa choked out, could not respond to the referee calling for uh, whether he wanted to continue or not. His arm went limp. They called the match. That was it. Karrion Cross wins his NXT TakeOver debut in uh, just over six minutes, six minutes, ten seconds, and this thing was a squash. I am shocked. On a night where you, uh, you know, made Johnny Gargano look like a million bucks, even in defeat to Keith Lee, on a night where you had Finn Balor get his shine back by beating down Damian Priest, you did sacrifice one shiny bobble in NXT to build to the future. Karrion Cross going over to Maso Ciampa. This one was never close. I love Cross's entrance, the drama of it, what Scarlett adds to it, all the smoke that fills the ring as the match begins as well. Great fun there. Just one match left, and we will get to it when we come back. A triple threat match for the NXT Women's Championship Charlotte Flair, Io Shirai, Rhea Ripley. I'll tell you all about it when we come back. You're listening to the home of professional wrestling on the radio in Vancouver. I'm Justin Morissette. It's Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650.
yourself up off the mat. It's time for more Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650 with Justin Morissette. Oh, baby, I could let that run all night. Love the sound of this. Tokyo Shock. Evil EO's theme song as EO Shirai claims the NXT Women's Championship in the main event of tonight's NXT TakeOver in your house live from the WWE Performance Center in Florida. Spoiler alert, that is the finish of tonight's main event, the only match on the card we have yet to discuss on the show this evening. My name is Justin Morissette. As the man told you, and you can have your say on the show that you watched this evening if you want to weigh in on what went on at NXT TakeOver in your house or anything else that happened on wrestling television this week. You can weigh in on the text line at 650-650, the Sportsnet 650 text line. You can give me a call as well if you want to phone in and chat with me live on the air here, 604-280-0650, the number to do that. Or you can get at me on Twitter at Sportsnet650 or at Justin Morris. That's M-O-R-I-S. Dale Wentland happened to do that. Dale read into the show to say that he did not enjoy that tone-deaf backlot match. His exact words, that tone-deaf backlot match was weird. Yes, I would agree. I, I don't know. Like I said, Dale, before the break, I didn't hate it. I didn't think it was bad necessarily. There were elements of it that I thought was were cool. I actually really did like the big uh, undisputed era pickup truck that was uh, driven down to ringside by Adam Cole and wound up being, I think, where the finish of the match went down as well, if I remember correctly. It's been a few hours now. Uh, kind of a short show this evening. That was one of the things that I did want to talk about. Only ran two hours and 20 minutes, and I think they're being very deliberate about this. In the COVID era, that was something that was true of Money in the Bank as well. We're going to take a look ahead at the projected card for Backlash, which is going down next weekend as well here before the show wraps up. Going to talk about the matches that we will be looking at next Sunday night when Backlash goes down a week from today. And I would be surprised if that show is much longer than what we saw tonight. I think they're aiming to keep everything at about 220, which means that there aren't a ton of matches that go longer than 20 minutes. We did get, as I mentioned, one of those tonight, 20 minutes and 35 seconds, Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano and what was my personal match of the evening. But close to that in runtime, this main event, Io Shirai defeating Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley, taking the belt off Charlotte to become the NXT Women's Champion. 17:35, the length of this match tonight. And, oh, boy, did it have it all. I was actually kind of... Uh, I don't know if scared is the right word, but I had talked myself into the possibility that this was not going to be the night that Charlotte Flair dropped the title uh, and was no longer the NXT Women's Champion because I think the stated goal of sending her back down, yes, in part, definitely to try and help turn the tide and win the ratings war against AEW on a weekly basis. But, you know, okay, they can never publicly say that that's why on television – what was the kayfabe reason that they gave for it? A number of dream matches that she could have down there on the farm. Just an entire lineup of women for her to have terrific matchups against. And that might be the fake reason that they say on TV, but I think there is some truth to that as well. And if that is why you wanted to send her back down there, did you really accomplish that over the last month and a half since WrestleMania? 
I don't think you did. You put her into a feud right out of the gate with Mia Yim, uh, which kind of elevated Mia Yim a little bit in the grand scheme of the NXT women's division, I guess. And then you put her right back into a feud uh, with Io Shirai, who won the ladder match to earn that title shot, and Rhea Ripley, who, of course, she was already feuding with coming out of WrestleMania. Is that necessarily all of the dream matchups that there are to be had uh, currently for her in NXT? No, I don't think it is at all. I mean, there were a number of women. Look at the six women who were in the opening tag match this evening. I mean, yes, Mia Yim already had her Charlotte match. We can kind of cross her name off the list. But beyond that, Shotzi Blackheart, Tegan Knox, Candice LeRae, Dakota Kai, Raquel Gonzalez, obviously, would probably be part of a Dakota Kai program, but that would be fun as well. Uh, there were, There's all kinds of reasons that you could talk yourself into the right move coming out of all of this at the end of the night, being Charlotte Flair retaining. That is not what happened, however. And whether that means Charlotte Flair is sent packing back to Monday Night Raw, and that is the only place you will see her going forward, uh, that's entirely possible. Um, ultimately... We will wait and see if she's even on NXT this Wednesday. I would imagine that she would be on the Fallout show on Wednesday night, but going forward after that, is she back on the main roster? Heck, who can say? But uh, the fact that Io is the one to win it, and she wins it by pinning Rhea Ripley. Rhea was locked into the figure eight, and as Charlotte put the bridge in to the figure eight finisher, her submission based on her Father's, of course, famous figure four leg lock uh, as she bridged in to cinch it and looked like Rhea was going to tap out. Io, with a flip off the top rope, came down hard onto Rhea Ripley. I would be shocked if Rhea is not concussed out of all of this. She looked like she took a just a knee to the face. Real rough stuff at the end of that, and she is not the only one Charlotte got Real messed up earlier. I, I mentioned as we were talking about Keith Lee and Johnny Gargano earlier in the night that they had teased powerbombing Gargano right through the window of the house set for In Your House tonight. Uh, they didn't do it in that match. They did do it in this match. Io Shirai was sent through the window by Charlotte Flair. Kind of a disappointing spot in the end. No glass or anything for her to shatter through. It was kind of, um, you know, not, not, the, not as big of a moment as it could have been. But the, what it really did was serve to take EO out of the match for a little bit and out of your mind's eye so that she could climb up to the very top of the house set from about the highest point in the entire arena. She jumped off the roof of the house with a flying crossbody to both Charlotte Flair and Rhea Ripley. And uh, coming down from a great height, obviously a very tough thing to line up exactly perfect. And in much the same way that she clipped Rhea Ripley's head in the finish of this match, she just let Charlotte Flair eat a boot, basically, coming off the roof at the end of this thing. Uh, terrific spots, both of them. Uh, got real huge vocal reactions from me, uh, you know, uh, saying holy, uh, so on, etc. what the crowd likes to chant in moments like that. They were they were scary bumps, is what I'm trying to say. EO really pulled out the stops with this one. She tends to do this. She stole the show in War Games. I thought she was exceptional uh, at NXT TakeOver Toronto SummerSlam weekend last year as well. I kind of soured on NXT a little bit that weekend. Uh, that was a pay-per-view where nothing really happened. I felt like they were 
holding all of their horses in advance of the the TV show landing on USA Network before they really cut loose and and did what they wanted to do with the yellow brand. And if you're going to ask me to pay hundreds of dollars to go see a show that's kind of stuck, frozen in stasis, I'm I'm not going to feel the best about that necessarily. So uh, that they did kind of lose me a little bit that night, but uh, that was the beginning of this ascent of Io Shirai, who had already turned heel in the lead up to that show, but really was catching lightning in a bottle with the way that she has been working heel. Evil EO has been just tremendous. They stole the show at TakeOver Toronto. Uh, you know, whether or not they stole the show tonight is up for debate. It depends on how much you enjoyed the Keith Lee-Johnny Gargano match. For me, it was a whole heck of a lot. So I do give those guys the edge over the ladies in the main event, but those matches are very, very close, neck and neck, tight competition as far as what was the best one on this show this evening. Nice to watch EO's ascent through the ranks over the last year, and it's funny because she should have been, of all the wrestlers in this match this evening, the biggest clear-cut heel of the bunch. She is the only one with an explicitly evil gimmick and yet, you have Rhea Ripley, the the punk, basically, the uh, the tough, uh, you know, uh, someone you would be afraid of if you ran into her at a dive bar. That's Rhea Ripley's gimmick at the moment. You have Charlotte Flair, who has transcended heel and babyface designation and is just a star. You know, that does mean that she acts like a heel more often than not, but that is how WWE sees it. They think people uh, are going to boo her when she does things they don't like, but ultimately they're going to like her deep down because she is that talented. She is simply a star. That is what the dirt sheets have been reporting is Vince McMahon's belief around Charlotte Flair of late. And you know what? He's not wrong necessarily. Uh, I do respect Charlotte Flair a whole heck of a lot. I do think that she is one of the greatest women's wrestlers of all time. I do boo her when she is a heel, and I can get into her when she is a babyface. It is very easy for her to flip that switch whenever she wants. Io Shirai, however, explicitly a heel, and was greeted as a heel by and large by the crowd uh, in the build to this maybe, but not at all in the match itself. This crowd was all over Io as a babyface. They wanted to cheer her, and cheer her they did throughout this show. Uh, a tremendous performance from Io Shirai. Uh, and you know what? You got to hand it to WWE for bringing the crowds back at the exact right time. This is something that I didn't have a whole heck of a lot of time to dive into and talk about on the show last week, but they did put NXT and uh, Performance Center trainees in the audience for main roster shows and for NXT as well, taking a page from AEW and what has worked for Dynamite and for AEW's pay-per-views over the last little while here. Having people in the crowd, having people chant along, having people reacting to the matches and, and giving the performers something to go off of as well uh, when they can hear those reactions and, and know that what they're doing is working. Uh, it means a whole heck of a lot to the overall quality of the show and the quality of the match. I felt like they they helped really get behind EO uh, in this match as someone that you wanted to see win. And, and you know, that's not hard for me. I love EO Shirai. Uh, but, but they really made her feel like, an underdog babyface in a match where, as I mentioned, she should have been the only clear-cut heel. And you have to hand it to the crowd on some level for that, but you also have to tip your cap to the performer who did a tremendous job. And, hey, maybe does turn babyface out of all this. And, and maybe maybe Charlotte and Rhea both 
make the jump to the main roster because Lord knows there's all kinds of women lying in wait to uh, have significant runs in NXT. You know, there, there's plenty of women who weren't even on this show when we talked about the people who are lying in wait to have quality matches with Charlotte Flair, uh, not just the women who were in the six-woman opener at the beginning of this NXT TakeOver, but, uh, you know, uh, women like Tony Storm who uh, were not on this card and, and can barely make it onto NXT proper, seem like she is you know, cast out to NXT UK. She is a tremendous talent. Uh, there are all kinds of women who would love to make that jump into the main sphere of the NXT women's division, and, and I wouldn't mind seeing Rhea Ripley try and fill some of the hole that's been left on uh, Monday Night Raw by the fact that, you know, Becky Lynch is pregnant and the man is no longer on TV entertaining us from week to week. So... Uh, there are holes to be filled elsewhere, and uh, maybe maybe that is where Rhea Ripley goes. There was a report, however, this week, I should say. We did get a report uh, that there is going to be another NXT call-up before too long. Of course, there have been uh, vignettes of late on SmackDown for Matt Riddle, that Matt Riddle is going to be making the jump to SmackDown before too long. Not sure when we're going to see him there, uh, but there has been word as well that uh, Dominic Dijakovic of NXT going to make the jump to Raw at some point, too. Uh, the same reports, or the same source, I should say, that reported both of those things initially, which have been corroborated by multiple sources now, also saying that Victoria's own Chelsea Green, yes, the pride of British Columbia, one of the crown jewels of uh, Vancouver Island pro wrestling, Chelsea Green, uh, uh, apparently set to make the jump up to the main roster before too long here as well. Uh, if she does that, attached at the hip to Charlotte Flair would not necessarily surprise me in the least. That was sort of set up on NXT this past week as Charlotte needed a tag team partner to take on Io Shirai and Rhea Ripley, and she found a partner in Chelsea Green. It's possible that Chelsea makes the jump now to the main roster as a lackey or a stooge. For Charlotte Flair, she is very talented, of course, Chelsea Green, uh, quite the worker and probably already skilled enough to be working matches on TV, given her history with, uh, honestly, a number of different places. Of course, ECCW here locally in Vancouver, but as far as televised product, uh, had a nice long run as Laurel Van Ness in Impact Wrestling and uh, a, a shorter run, but a pretty good one as well in Lucha Underground as a spider-based villain heel wrestler named Reclusa. It is Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. My name is Justin Morissette. We are almost at the end of our program here tonight, but that is uh, all of the results that went down on NXT TakeOver in your house this evening. Staying with the uh, women's division in WWE, however, before we take a look at Backlash and then call it a night here. Uh... A big result in the main event of SmackDown on Friday. You might have caught it on Sportsnet 360 here in Canada. We have new women's tag team champions in the main roster women's tag division. I guess the only women's tag division in WWE. Sasha Banks and Bayley are your new champs, and they are going to be the ones who are traveling among the brands to put those belts on the line. Uh, you know, heck, maybe we even see them defend the, the belts against a, a team like Tegan Knox. And, uh, and Shotzi Blackheart, maybe. Those two showed some fine tandem offense in the opening tag match on tonight's show. Uh, <laughs> they are, uh, you know, defeating the 
tag champions who had the belts coming into the night in Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross. And uh, no offense to either of those ladies who had been doing very good work of late, but I do think with the star power that you have in a Bailey and a Sasha Banks in particular, why not pull the trigger on a gimmick that allows you to put those women on every single show? Uh, I know that uh, Alexa and Nikki had been building something of a feud with Iconics over the last couple weeks on Raw as well. But you can continue that feud with uh, with Sasha and Bailey instead. Just flip Iconics babyface and give them a good little run here, a storyline that actually takes advantage of their history, their long shared history working together in Australia, their voyage to WWE and everything that they've done together. You can tell the story for Iconics that should have been told when they won the tag titles at WrestleMania last year in the first place. It is Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650. My name is Justin Morissette, and uh, I, you know, I, I like the booking, honestly. When, as soon as they teased it last week, the, just the possibility of it, I started licking my chops at the prospect of a you know, kind of women's version of the two-man power trip back in the day when Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H just took every single title in WWE and were a heel tandem. Obviously, there isn't a secondary title for Sasha to hold Unless she were to go after the NXT Women's Championship and try to take it off Io Shirai, I doubt that's going to happen. But uh, a fun dynamic, nevertheless, to continue this ongoing storyline between Sasha and Bailey, which, of course, is going to doubtlessly end with Bailey turning babyface, or Sasha turning babyface, rather, by attacking Bailey and uh, hopefully eventually becoming SmackDown Women's Champion and getting a long, defining run with the belt. That's always the problem. When Sasha wins the women's title, she uh, never gets to keep it for too long. You never really remember her reigns because it was always a hot potato thing going back and forth with Charlotte. Those short Sasha reigns are the reason that Charlotte has so many uh, championship title reigns on the main roster in the first place. Uh, we're going to wrap it up this evening without even looking ahead to next week. It is Backlash next weekend. You know the big match that we're looking forward to. It's Randy Orton versus Edge. Going to be tremendous. Uh, I can't wait for it, honestly. It's going to be a great one. They've really built it up very, very well. Obviously, this feud goes back to WrestleMania weekend as well. But, uh, you know, we're running out of time here on the program. And uh, I will come back to you with another post-pay-per-view show next week, breaking down everything that happened on Backlash Randy Orton, Edge, and everything else. Until next week, keep it locked right here. You've been listening to the home of professional wrestling on the radio. We'll be back to do it all over again. Same bat time, same bat place. I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette. And you've been listening to Wrestle Central on Sportsnet 650.